Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger and Harav Nissen, where we look forward to creating a mental health awareness. With Siata Deshmaya, we will be able to take your call and to create a mental health awareness in which we will change and grow. And with Siata Deshmaya, help Kal Yisrael Daira Daira Savet. The number to call up to ask your question is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And we look forward to taking your questions or your comments. So again, the number, pick up, call now, 718-683-5858. I want to just tell good evening to all our listeners and Mordechai. I, I want to, to mention something that, you know, in the last uh, few weeks we got a big uh, attack on our uh, site and we lost so much material and, you know, everybody knows feeling it. And I want to just, uh, to all of us that I know that we basically bombarded with kind of uh, left and right attacks. So just write write the numbers again and if one run, run, number is falling apart, so just call the other. So I will guess you. Write this number, 712-432-4217, 712-432-4217, again, 712-432-4217, and 718, 506-9099, 718-506-9099, 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, 7, and we try to do the best and to, to give you the best uh, quality of listening. So, but sometimes, you know, the Yetzirah is fighting and just, uh, we, are, we are fighters. We always, always fighting and with Hashem Kadosh Baruch Hu will helping us. So, uh, just now I'm going to get some phone calls. Let's see, okay? Yeah, yeah. So, these are the numbers to listen in, to call in, because there can be some difficulties with other stuff going on. So this way you can hear the program. Excellent. And again, to ask your question, the number is 718-683-5858-718-683-5858. Ravnish, we do we have anyone on Mrs. yet? Mrs. D. Mrs. D. Mrs. B. Mrs. B, you're on with Mordechai. Yeah, um, hello. Yes, hello. So you're again on with Mordechai and Ravnissen. Yeah, hi, thank you. Um, I've I've heard a lot about your book, Alive, and I know that it helps people with anxiety and self-esteem. I'm wondering if there's anything available to help guide people to be less, um, more socially adept and um, less immature. Is there anything like that in that book or any other book? Is there any self-help books on that topic? I don't know any offhand. I'm just thinking that maybe Rivka Schoenfeld might have a book or two on that. Mm-hmm. And but also, I, I was really wondering, um, it's immaturity. I do know one or two on the Goyesha market, but I can't recommend the Goyesha book because there can be many stuff in that that is not Jewishly hashkafa. And if I say something, then it becomes accepted. So, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm also wondering um, when, if like immaturity is. Like, what age do you expect someone to become more mature, or do you just say that that's his personality and that's it? I'll tell you, I have a big difficulty with that question, just so you understand, because you're speaking now to a mechanic. So imagine you are, let's say, just telling someone, I hear a little clicking in my car, the guy says, eh, it's nothing, just do an oil change. But when you go to a mechanic, and there could be a lot of other stuff, and there could be some serious stuff in that clicking, 
they hear it very different. So when you tell me they're socially off or a little difficulties not being mature, it could range from a little that's age-appropriate or the family or something going on. Like small just means like today everyone is in such a cookie cutter that this kid is a little bit immature, so he's two years later, and eventually once it catches up, it catches up. Sometimes, unfortunately, it can be something a lot more severe. Therefore, Mm -hmm. it gets more complicated, your question. So maturity can be something that catches. Look, for example, if you're asking me about a eight-year-old about maturity, and if you ask me about a 21-year-old maturity or a 15-, 16-year-old that's way behind, they're very different. Mm-hmm. And at each stage, the method of what you will do or the types of therapy that you will do is very different. As mm-hmm. far as it could be sometimes a drop more of a severe diagnosis, but at a, after, at a certain age, we would expect everybody to be mature. Is that true? I mean, you I don't enjoy the word mature be because the word mature is very subjective. What you call mature and what I call mature can be very different. Mm-hmm. And to some people, mature is is being very rigid, no life, not smiling. And I know a 60-year-old grandmother or that is, in those terms, very not mature, but she's the life of the family. She's the life of a simcha when she comes. There's always something going on. So the word mature is a difficult word for mm-hmm. sort of to, to say that all across the board. Make sense? Well, somebody's the life of a party can still be mature. I think immature is when there may be, um, say, things that aren't, like, so appropriate. So in therapy, or... when I do an intake, you see we're talking so subjectively. I have no idea what words you're talking about. You have no idea what I'm referring to in my mind, and mm-hmm. we're having this theoretical conversation. That's Usually we don't do well with that. On, the, on I don't do well with this program. Mm-hmm. So yeah. normally when I ask people in clients when I do an intake, or if you're asking your radio, give me the age of the person, tell me, four or five, let's try even two or three different comments that they make, and then this way we're both on the same page. Okay. So let's say it's a 16-year-old, and okay. um, he's very excited. Oh, there's a kid that's in shul, and there's going to be so much cake. And at a certain age, you would think that they stop talking so much about food maybe? No, very age-appropriate for a 16-year-old. They're into Kadesha, men... Unfortunately, men are very into these things. You know what they served, and they gave this, and they gave that. This is a man's, a man's weakness. Uh huh. Yeah. So be aware. This is what guys talk about. Men are busy talking about their cars and their little toys and the type of cell phone that they have, and women can be more into other stuff. Mm-hmm. What kind of ring? What kind of dress? That's right. What kind of shoes? And uh, and Elsa tells her, and men look at about the bottles and say, how many years is it? That's <laughs> right. And these guys are accreditation where almost no one has an, idea, has an idea of the difference between the expensive bottles, what they're drinking, even from a cheap to expensive one. Some people know, but very few do. And they look at that bottle and they talk about, wow, this is so old and this has got this price tag. Yep. Machoism. Yes. But let's say people are telling me that maybe one of my children are a little socially off, but they're not being specific to me, and I don't know what they mean. I agree with you on that. That is so frustrating. Therefore, you've got to tell them 
to please be direct, to please share with you two, three examples, so this way you can ground it. And you might say, oh, I call that wonderful. Mm-hmm. But you well, know, what the is first time I joined um, Lester of Nisna, when I got onto the, onto the radio, well, well, someone made some comments saying, what normal person would ever want to go on the radio? There must be something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, that's the comment. So now imagine someone would say, I know this guy Mordecai Weinberger. Say that again? What would you consider something that's socially off? Everything is depending on the age appropriate, the comments that they say. It also depends if they're angry or not. You could have a 16-year-old boy say some comments that aren't correct, but then when you speak to the 16-year-old boy, he'll give you the context and what he did, and it made sense. Mm-hmm. So socially off is it, the comments that were said are nowhere close to age appropriate, and and this is the end, that it doesn't just happen once. It's happening all over. So part of the way when we make a diagnosis, if it's on a more serious level, it's where is it happening? Is it just a one-time scenario? Is it with one person? Is it in, in, let's for example, is it just family? Is it family and in school? Is it family and in school and in school? Is it in family just when a grandmother is there, just when a grandfather is there, just when a father or mother or brother or sister is there? Is it when it's about everyone else? All this helps us during the intake so we get an idea. Because just because someone will act funny or geschmack or, or not age-appropriate or childish, but they're doing it, but they are doing it at a, with a single person, then it might be their interaction with that person, but doesn't make them socially off. So there's a lot of variables when we do an evaluation specifically about that. I hear. Okay, thank you. All right, so does that now put you more at ease that this teenage 16-year-old boy is so healthy and normal <laughs> and just um, age-appropriate? I'm just appropriate. wondering if we're supposed to, as parents, look out for these things and correct them, or it's going to be too much like constantly correcting them. No, you're allowed to correct. That's our job as parents. That's what makes it harder. Rav Nissen, can you help out with this? Okay. Third question said. is, so what do you do? Now that's age-appropriate, that boys will be interested, wow, the kiddish, and you know what this person's bringing – should they say something or shouldn't they? First of all, I would say that uh, as a parent, so we have to know the, the, the guideline. You know, we cannot say no, 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 and stuff. This you have to participate with the boy, with with the boy, especially with boys and girls. You know, but uh, the teenager has a different world, different really brain, and uh, Ramodechai and me knows very, very uh, many ish, many many cases of. That uh, I would say the teacher called the parents, said your 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 son, your son, your daughter, not mature. They have a problem, you know, the social. And then the end, the teacher himself had a problem, or herself, or the teacher herself had a problem. And this has happened. You know, many people we said a posel be posel. Somebody is just looking. You know, many times we said that kids are normal. Most of our kids, I would say, normal and healthy, and as the this curiosity and something. Parents has to be find the way in between the drops, as we call it, to the, na- navigate them. Definitely, you, you, you try to, to tell, I tell my kids about Kiddush, please be careful not, not to drink, you know, uh, explaining what is that, they're all about the alcohol and about this stuff, and about uh, the else issue. I'm talking about in many Kiddushim, is like fatty and chulant and all this kugel with all this stuff, with all the respect. You know, it's also not so good elsewhere. Uh, 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 elsewise, That's right. You know? 
So just explain them about this or explain the kids about this and try to, to guide that. But all the important things, important things is not lie to them and not exaggerate because then they said, you know what, my parents don't understand nothing. They don't understand. I am a big shot. You know, I know better than them and you're losing the battle. Okay. That's, that's right. And, that's, and you can mention it over and over. And most importantly, that I would add on to our business set is share examples from your life, like where you wanted something, you liked something, but it didn't work out and you're okay with it. Or when you were impressed that you went to someplace and you saw whatever it should be that impressed you, but you still share how it doesn't take you over. So the best ways we can teach our children is by showing, by, by example. Okay, thank you so much. You're very welcome. And also the number to ask your question to call up is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858, and we look forward to taking your question and your comments. Hello? Hello? Yes. Hi, thank you so much for your phone line, and I have a question. It actually came through many times already, and I'm really wondering what you would say to that. Um, we're a question where I feel if I need to speak up or say something, or this is called intruding, and I'm stuck where I'm not sure what I need to do. So it happened um, many times, okay? Let's just be aware. I just feel very concerned with such a with such a question, because you're looking for a how-to, and we create an awareness. So maybe we can no, create the awareness, awareness is, both ways is instead of feeling or that not. we'll tell you what's right or wrong. Go ahead. Okay, so it happens uh, many times when I go to a party, and there are a lot of women getting together, and I would sit down at a table with a close friend, and then right next to us, other, let's say, two other women would come sit next to us, and then they get a phone call from, let's say, their sister that they want to come join, and they would ask them if they can save a seat for them. So in the meantime, while we arrived early, the seats are filling up, and while there are, let's say, three empty seats at the table and other, all other seats are just filling up, and there are no seating left, there can be maybe five or six or seven women coming over, and they want to take the seat, and those other ladies will say, well, someone is sitting here when that person is not even here, and I don't know what time they will arrive, and those other women that came on time, they don't have where to sit. And I'm sitting there at the table watching it, and I'm thinking, like, should I say something or should I stay quiet? Okay. Now, how do we switch this on to you? Watch me be a drop of a therapist. What's your issue if it's a strange person that just doesn't have where to sit, so sit on another table? No, but the other tables are all uh, taken up already. Okay. I did so see now, that many times, and I'm wondering if this is something that I just noticed or I don't do that stuff. If I have a sister-in-law calling me up, she wants to sit with me, or a sister or a friend, and I can tell them I could save you a seat. But once the, you know, there is no seats left and somebody comes over, I'll give over the seat, and I can't save. How can I save a seat when there are other women standing and they don't have where to sit? 
so here I would really tell you that it has to do with Rav Nissa. What do you say to this? Uh, Mordechai, can you repeat the question because I was on the phone? I'm sorry. Sure. So the basic question is that she goes to a wedding, and sometimes people would sit down at the table as well, and then there's one or two empty seats, and one of their friends would tell them, hold, for, hold reserve for me a seat for me to come. Meanwhile, the wedding fills itself up, and there are no more seats, and then someone to sit at those two seats, or that one seat where those people are reserving, and the person says, sorry, it's reserved, the person's right here. Now she knows the person isn't there. Should she speak up and tell that person sitting at the table, please, you can't reserve the seat for someone that's not here, when there are people that don't have where to sit? Or should she remain quiet? Uh, you know, this is a, this is a lesson of life. You know, sometimes, you know, just first of all, you can say, you know, say, please, uh, I, I, I need this place. I, I, my friend, uh, you know, asked me to, to keep this place. If you don't, like, you know, it's uh, it seems like that. Uh, no, the, no, what bothers her? She sees others reserve it. Right, right. I don't need a seat, but I just can't stand to see other women don't have where to sit, and there could be six, seven ladies. It bothers her. There's no yashur. I think, I think, I think that's it's really uh, something that you have to take. Uh, you know, I, it bothers me that I go to the bus and I see young, girl, young girl boys and girls sitting and the old people standing up. It's bothering me. So what are you going to do? It's uh, it's something that's really a part of our our life and part of our Yiddishkeit, and I think that uh, you know friends want to sit together, and I understand this also, and you you I understand your point also, but this. So is if I sit there and I don't say anything because I don't want to be intruding to them, does it sound like I'm actually approving of that behavior? <laughs> Look, I'm sitting right there. Okay. I don't want to feel like I approve this behavior, and I, w I don't want to be intruding. And maybe they just lack the awareness. I, I think, I th in, in my opinion, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not your duty to to get in uh, to be a teacher of uh, other people. I'm sorry that I'm uh, rough on this. Oh, it's it's okay. That's my question because I feel so like uh, I didn't say anything, but I always feel guilty. Like maybe I should say something. Mordechai, what do you think? I'll tell you, I think this is really a feeling part. It means there are some people that are more expressive that would say, that's not right, the person's not here yet, and they need a seat. But be aware that there's then going to be a discussion. They will like you, they won't like you. They'll say, it's not true, I'm holding it for someone. What's the difference if they're here or they'll be here in five minutes from now? There will be a discussion. Sometimes they might say, you're right, and give it over. But then are you now going to be the police to others? And... This is really, it's, it's a more subjective. It depends on Again, how I depends. feel. If I don't mind for this to be a discussion, then I could raise it. Why not? You have a right to say anything you like. <clears throat> I just don't want to be intruding. <laughs> Well, that's, again, now your issue. So what the issue is, let's change this question. The way I usually take it, if you would have been my client, I would take it to you as follows. What are your negative, what is going to cause you more tension, saying something or not saying something? What are you going to think something. about more? What would you For say? Me, not saying something. So not saying something, keeping quiet will hurt you more. Yeah. Then we would work on what can give you the confidence to say something then in a nice, respectful way, but still tell them. I guess that what I, that's what I would do. What would you do? Say something nice and respectful. 
Exactly. And then how will you maybe feel I after could say that? Like, uh, maybe you didn't, uh, you didn't notice that there aren't any seating and they don't have where to sit. Right, or you can even do it even even in a more positive way, saying it's so nice. I notice how you're reserving a place for your friend. I think it's beautiful, but at this time there are older adults that don't have where to sit, and I think it's now time to give it over to these people that are standing. I'm sure that if you say it like this, they will give it away. Yeah, that's yeah, right. for sure. Yeah, I think that's great. So I want you to be aware, it again depends on you. There are some people that feel the other way. No, this is a very good idea. It's a very positive way to say it. It's like, make, I don't need to worry about hurting them because I give them the positive. It's so nice that you are reserving the seats for your friends. But now, you know, as you said it, now it's about time. We need to give it away. That's right. Okay, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Great question. Yes. And the awareness that I like that you've brought up is that when we're I, at I was some wondering post, many when times, we're like, at places it happened to me and more than once, public, a couple please of times. Does it happen all the time? Start thinking about others. Don't be so focused that I need my friends. Stop being aware there are older adults there. And even if it's not older adults, even if it's someone younger than you, but they have a right to be there, they have a right to participate. And think of others. Thank you. Really appreciate your message. Thank you. Rav Nissen, we are going to Miss Kay. Hello, Miss Kay. You're on with Mordechai and Rav Nissen. Yeah, hi. I I have this friend that she's, like, extremely sensitive and whenever I talk to her, like, I'm, like, walking on, like, eggshells. Like, I can't say anything wrong or else she'll, like, burst into tears. And, like, I don't know what to do about it. I don't either. I'm saying, like, I really don't know what to tell you. Whatever you tell her, she bursts out in tears. The most I could say is just speak to the teacher. No, Let I'm the not teachers be informed. I say, like, any, like, wrong, like... I bite my eyelash in the wrong way and she'll, like, get all upset at me, like. Yeah. I don't have what to tell you other than discussing it with her nicely. But I'm assuming if you're going to discuss it with her, she'll be angry again and she'll cry again. So it's really getting a teacher involved. Okay. Does that make sense? Do you realize why I don't have any advice? Because she is so sensitive and your relationship is so fragile that you can't say anything without hurting her. So it's very hard to work on that if we have no if we have no basis to build a relationship on, which is usually communication. You can't say anything without her getting hurt. So that's where a teacher's coming, where a teacher can speak to her. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Sure. The number to call up to ask your question is 7 683 and we're just going to go back to that first question until someone asks. And the, the, we got a comment of someone saying when we're talking with the first teacher how she should really not be pushing too much and have a basic idea and be aware of what happens when she starts pushing, that she might hurt the situation, it might not be beneficial. And someone sent a message over here, that's the wrong advice. You're telling her she doesn't need to care, just do the paperwork. 
Now, it's interesting how the person that's sending the message, I feel <laughs> you're sending a very black and white way of thinking. It means you've got to go all the way to the end because you care. Or the other way, as if I said, give up. That's not what we said. We gave a very balanced approach. You need to realize there are limitations to your role. You need to realize that if you push, you might get hurt. You might not be helping anyone, and you'll only get hurt. On the other hand, if you don't do anything, then it's going to affect you as a teacher. You're not going to like it, and the student won't get better. And therefore, what the recommendation is, inform the teacher, inform the principal every day, and inform the parents. But if they're not able to do anything about it, you've got to understand there's a time for everything. So me as a therapist, there are many times where I get a situation, I say, right now, you need to work on other stuff first. Even though there are big issues going on, but this is the first grounded work that has to happen. No, we cannot help everyone at the time when we want to help. And you've got to learn your role. That is a sign of maturity, not a sign of just do the paperwork. We said care. She contacted the principal. She contacted the parent. But at a certain point, you do have to stop. So I feel bad whoever felt this message and took it that way. I, I think that's why I send it, because I think that it's really took, uh, you know, many times caring uh, without understanding, it can be collapsing and create damage, more damage than everything, you know. Caring is exactly. not everything. I, I, you, you know. I have that all the time. Sometimes Askanim are really special people where they want to help. But then they throw these comments, don't go to doctors because they'll prescribe medication. Don't go to therapists because they'll tell you the problem is serious. Yes, many times the problem is serious. And these people are trying to do good for two, three years. Unfortunately, by the time it explodes, and then they finally willing to go to a therapist or to a psychiatrist. And now the situation is very severe. So you need to know when you help, your, when you help what's your position, what's your expertise, will you make it better by helping, and at a certain point, when do you need help? When are you making it worse by being involved? That is a power of knowing yourself, and that's one of the most important points that they're busy, they focus teaching us in college that I thought it was a waste of time, the first year in social work, which is know your place, Know what you know and know what you don't know. And I believe this is one of those situations. So, Nissen, do we go to Mrs. A? Yeah, I think we lost one second. Hold on. All right. The number to call up to ask your question is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. All right, and we've got now the availability to ask Mrs. your question. Again, 718-683-5858, Mrs. C. Mrs. C. So, um, I was You're the one that asked the question about EMDR last week. I hope I have the initials right this time. And I thank you. I hung up because I had the other line on, but I wanted to thank you. Also, um, a, a person, a knowledgeable person told me, that um, some people that went with this system, if they hadn't resolved their issues, they were traumatized by this. Have you found that in your experience? It's an interesting story, I'll tell you. Because of your question last week, 
I spoke to a friend of mine. I just don't want to say in which in where he works, but he's basically someone that does a lot of referrals. And he tells me, I don't know, all of a sudden I started getting calls and people are asking only about EMDR, EMDR. Did you discuss it? And I said, yes, we discussed it on (laughs) on the program. So I'd like you to realize that when Baruch Hashem, we have such a power over here that when we discuss a concept that people talk about it and people are interested in it. But let's go ahead and I'll share with you the downsides. To every system, there can be some difficulties to that. So EMDR is a powerful system that is done to work on trauma, specifically for trauma. They only teach it. It's a a six-day workshop to learn. It's not much. But they only teach it to licensed professionals. Why? Not because they don't want non-licensed people learning it. Not at all. The reason why they're doing it is because they feel it's a very serious tool that in the wrong hands, the person won't know how to work on it or, or what to do or what it might bring up. And exactly what you said, EMDR, can bring up traumas that you did not realize were so traumatic. It can intensify feelings, and sometimes but two days after an EMDR session, you can feel much worse. But again, just like surgery, when you're doing surgery, it can make the situation worse where the person feels worse, but you saved their lives. The same thing is with EMDR. They're going, or we are going, specifically on trauma people, on trauma in, in trauma memories, trauma pains, and you're starting to do surgery on that. So, yes, you better be ready for that. And, yes, now, you might not be ready for that, but the situation needs it, and therefore it's got to be done. I hear. Maybe if somebody consults with the professional that does it, they could be able to share what kind of experiences they had that, you know, they could maybe guide the person a little bit and how would, you know, of course, okay, I've got, now, I can just think of two people I've spoken to within the last month that are clients in the center that they asked to do EMDR. I said, we need to do EMDR, but I don't feel you are ready for this work without taking medication. And they go, but I don't need medication. Why? And I explained to them, the traumas are very severe and we need some anesthesia. Doesn't mean that the medication is going to numb you that you won't feel anything. But it's going to help us that when we go into the trauma, you're not going to be completely dysregulated. You're going to be able to continue working. You're going to be able to continue functioning either as a father or as a mother. Yes, EMDR is meant and does, and it triggers a lot of emotions. So, yes, a professional will understand when they hear what the trauma went through, will hear how much the trauma affected the person, how their life was affected by that, and then they'll guide them. Rev. Nissen, don't you have this many times in construction where no if someone can ask you, could you just do this and you realize, oy vey, the foundations are weak or there's a problem and we need to do a lot of other work ahead of time? It's no question. It's always, you know, and, uh, when you're doing a root canal in the dentist, you have to manam the place. No, I exactly. understand. Now, what happens, was... like this system, EMDR, is specifically made for trauma. Here. So imagine, I'm listening, your expertise or you're an expert in houses that are almost falling apart. Now, Hashem, I don't want to say it's, it's only for that, but you would realize why you need an expert, right? Would you say it's the regular construction, like building a house from scratch, or does it take a specialist or someone with experience on how to work on a house that has many, many years of major problems in the foundation? I understand 
I appreciate it, but as long as you were saying that the professional will be able to, by hearing, have a general idea of how um, disruptive this may or may not be. I just I wanted to just mention that the caller that spoke about the saving the seats, this is a halukha yes. shala. I read about it one time. I wish I remembered what the psak is. But it's 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 not so push it, and that doesn't mean that somebody has to speak up if they're not comfortable just because they know that there's a halacha involved. But the, I just remember it was lengthy. If you're causing someone loss, it was a more lengthy answer. But it appears that it is a shal and halacha. So I thought I'd share that. I thank you very very much. Well, and first, let me tell you, I thank you for that. I have no idea. everyone. You're very, very welcome. And again, I want to thank you for creating this awareness. That's even halacha, Shaila. I had no idea. Yeah, pink so red. I guess thank for you. that question, I'll tell them they'll contact their local competent rub that they respect, who they work with. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, we Excellent, Hervnison. Who are we going to? To Mrs. A. Mrs. A, you're on and Nissen. Hi. Hello? Yes. Yeah, hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I have a question about um, anxiety. Um, I'm assuming that there is, like, a hereditary factor. Um, I know there's, like, a, you know, nature versus nurture type of argument with any mental health kind of thing. Um, so I'm assuming those factors are involved. But I'm wondering, like, how hereditary specifically um, anxiety is and if I'm assuming that there is some kind of factor, um, if there are any, like, tips and tricks to – prevent it from passing on to the next generation, you know, assuming that the parent is aware of it and working on it. Oh, this is a how this is a very general question. I'm not even sure where to go. I feel it's so general, I don't even know where to start. So let's start as follows. Anxiety can be hereditary. I'm also a huge believer in environmental because when I'm around people that are too nervous and with them for a while talking about two, three days, I find it affecting me. So I'm a huge believer in environment. Mm -hmm. Now you're saying they're working on it. Again, here's another major issue. Working on it. People go to therapy once a week and say they're working on their anxiety and they're not opening up about the big stuff. So they have the excuse, I'm working on it. So the simple answer is the way you can work on anxiety to prevent it with your children is heal yourself, parents and adults. Not that you manage your anxiety, not that you're able to function with the anxiety, that you're actually healing the core. So the first steps are learning to live your life. The next step is starting to deal and face the inner core. Once you have those tools now in, within yourself and you're calm and you're easier, you will be able to prevent it. And if it does happen, you'll have the skills on your own how to help your children. And if those skills that you have aren't enough, then you'll be able to send them to a therapist. Is there a way to create an environment? I mean, obviously, you know, by managing anxiety, you're, you're creating a more calm atmosphere at home. Um, but are there any, like, specific tools that someone who knows that they have this nature could implement in the home? Again, I feel we're talking so, how do we put this? It, it's theoretical. I don't do well with, the, with theory. I need a specific example. The person's afraid of sleep. We're going to sleep, night, mother is nervous, yells, screams, and then we can give real-life examples. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? 
Yeah. I'll just say, theoretically, yes, there's a lot they can do. What? Depending on what the situation is. How would you like that answer? <laughs> okay, I guess a general answer to a general question. Exactly. <laughs> okay, thank you. You got it. So, again, just for those listening, I would love to help out. But well, the more detailed the question, the more detailed I could give an answer. So there are about probably hundreds of, or not hundreds, let's say tens of different answers to different situations. And when we can pinpoint which situation we're talking about, then we can offer a different suggestion. So the number to ask your question is 718-683-5858, and we are looking forward right now to taking your question or your comment. Okay. So the number is again 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we go to Miss C. Miss C, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hi. Um, I was wondering if you can ask my question. Um, if a person is a controller, when the person does certain things, he does it for a cause or just just because he, you know, just this went into his head and he wants to do it now? Do you see again where I feel like we're almost two, three questions this evening, generals? I need a specific example. There are a thousand reasons why someone will be a controller. Um, let's say uh, uh, overprotective parent. Okay, now maybe it's out of love. So, so yeah, he could he could do it. Let's say because he loves the person so much. So he'll do. He'll let's say tell them like crazy things. Not crazy, but. Again, you're using again general. I have no idea what you're talking about. Please okay. understand. Okay, let me give it's, you. It's very difficult on me to get such a general question. Okay, so let's say um, he'll tell his child like, you can't, you can't take walks because, I, I don't know. He's not. He's not. It's not healthy. I don't know. He's not going to give a reason. Well, actually, the detail what they say why is very important. Yes, the words that they use is what we want to hear. Okay, so let's say um, you can't talk to someone because it's 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 not it's not good for you. You can't talk. Don't talk to that kid and don't don't have any shacks with her. Don't don't when you meet her in the street, ignore her, run away, and well, that, like just forget about her. Now, does she say why? No, he just says it's it's not good for you. So, again, there are many doubts. We don't know why. That's why in an intake we actually need to speak to someone and get all the details why. Is it because they're afraid of their rachnias? Is it because this person talks against the parents? Is it because this person, they, their kid is now very into this person and the parent feels a little threatened by that? Let's say, is it that this kid isn't studying that much or that well? Is it because this kid's family, they're in a fight, the two families? Notice I just gave you five different scenarios. Okay, so I'm going to give you the, okay, the real thing. Let's say this kid is, she's normal, okay? Um, let's say I heard it from principals, I heard it from teachers, I heard it from other people. She's a normal, stable kid. And and he and he doesn't let's say the the parent doesn't want that I should talk to her. 
Is it well, the next question is you ask why. No, I'm asking if there's a reason for it, if, if, the, the, if the parent has a reason for it. or if just Well, do you think a parent would say something for no reason? Maybe if she's a controller, then that's what I'm asking. That's what you see you're going to one no, conclusion. Also, I, that's the say, danger. I, I, know, I know for sure that the, that the parent is a control. I heard it from a, a professional. Okay. So let's understand something. So you want to be close, let's say, to someone's daughter where the parent's a controller and the kid, and the kid is not close, strong enough to go against or to continue the relationship when the parents don't want. What is your question? I'm asking you. I want you to see how we're shifting the question now onto you. Um, I want to know if the if the parent has a reason for 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 not letting the child talking um, talk to that kid, or if it's just for just because he has. I know that the parent has a reason, but if it's like a sensible, normal reason, or if it's just because he's a controller and this went into his head now and he thinks that it's a valid reason, but it's. Really, it's not. So let me help you out with a difficulty. We can take a step back. You are now trying to go into the psyche, into the understanding of another person's mind, which is very complicated. Let me explain to you why it's complicated. A large part of therapy is imagine an onion where you rip, where you peel off one layer of the, la- of the onion, then there's another layer, then there's another layer. The top five layers that this parent might not want the child to speak to, let's say, to you or to someone else, the top five could be they're worried about from kite, even though the teacher says it's okay, but that parent's worried. The next one could be that this, that the, that this child isn't studying as well since they became friends, so they feel now they're doing it for scholastic reasons. As you start going deeper and deeper in the onion, you start getting to the core. Uh, maybe she feels threatened. Maybe the daughter won't be so much under her control. We might get there. We might not. And that's some of the large difficulties that we have as therapists, that we sometimes can see a core issue that a person has, but they're not ready to hear it yet. And if we talk about the core, we will lose the client. We'll either hurt them by going too, much, going too deep to the core they weren't ready to hear, or they're going to leave therapy process too quick because you jumped in too fast, and therefore you got to start. Let's go through issue number one. Do you have an issue of your daughter not getting hundreds? What's the difficulty? How can we allow her to be, to be the normal process of life that doesn't have to be perfect? Then the next level, what happens if she speaks to others and doesn't always give you so much time? And you build it up, and as you start peeling off layer after layer, then you start going to then you start getting to the deeper core. So you're right away asking your question about the deep core. And to that what I am saying is we you're making an assumption we can't know the assumption of the deep core. I just want to remind everyone the number to call up is 718-683-5858-718-683-5858 and look forward to taking your questions and your comments. Snow, back to you, Miss C. Does this make sense to you? Yeah, so basically you're saying that that you can't categorize it, like there could be a controller that has a reason for 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 doing things. For doing the things Sorry, that he's say doing. that again. Please explain it to me. That it could be a, a person that is a controller but he he has a it's not like it, it's he can, it's not general, like uh, all controllers they do things, and, and 
have any reason. There could be people do have who do yes have a reason for doing things. Everyone has a rationale, whether it's a good rationale or not, is something else. Certainly, yeah. Mm -hmm. People have a rationale for yelling. The rationale is they have they. Sorry, let's rephrase it. They have anxiety, and instead of saying let me work on the anxiety, they're saying it's good that I have anxiety. It's good that I'm yelling. This way, people don't make mistakes. This way, people don't don't put themselves in dangerous situations. Instead of saying, I have anxiety and I'm too worried, I'm hypervigilant, they're saying people should be thankful that I'm yelling. So, yeah, but that's, yeah, but, okay, I understand. Okay, thank you. Thank you for answering my question. Yeah. Good. So, that's good. All right. Thank you. We are going to Mrs. P. Hi, you're on the air with Mordechai on Radio Kovarama. Oh, yeah. radio. I'm sorry. Radio. Yes. On jrootradio.com. Seven one two four three two four. Okay. Yeah, yes, let's first yes. all let's also give her this in the seven one two number so people can listen to. Let's hear it again. Seven one two four three two four two one seven. Seven one two four three two four two one seven. That yes. is a number in case there's difficulties yes. hearing us. You can yes. always call up to that number and it's a very, very clear reception. Okay, thank you. Great. And speak, also yes. the number if you'd like to call to ask your questions, seven one eight six eight three fifty eight fifty eight, seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. And we're on with Mrs. P and Harav Nissen. Hello. Yes. It's me? Yep, it's you. Okay. Okay. I hear an echo, so I'm, I wasn't sure. Okay, first of all, thank you so much for your program. Um, my question is, um, I feel, maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I feel, that the, uh, let me start with this. Um, I have a special needs child, and I always feel that for the special needs child, I have such support and so much um, background pushing, like to push him to the deep end, like really, really push. And with my regular kids, I always feel that the schools and the staff and even my dudes and, and anybody, you know, in, involved in our you know, um, and if I feel like they do, they don't encourage to push too much, and I feel like they're capable, they really are capable. I just feel like when I like ask them like how do I push them? No, let them be, let them like discover themselves, let them you know find them their own ways, and they're not like enough. Um, like getting them to their potential, like they have so much more potential, I feel, and they, I just feel like they're always like pushing me back. Like, don't push them, just let them. What is it? Like, how do I push them to what I feel they're capable of doing, like much more than they are? And why is it that they're not encouraging to push so much? Ravish, Ravish, what do you say to this? Uh, so I think that uh, it's it's a little bit subjective, you know, just something that I I don't again we we don't know the old information, you know, that the stuff is the stuff professional could be that your your point of view that you think that you can push your kids. No, not at all. I'm just typical, like 
I, I, look, I don't, I don't know. Again, I, that's something that it's very important to, to encourage and pushing the kids forward and all this. But sometimes, you know, as an objective uh, that, that, you know, you don't know, they, you know, the staff does it. Maybe they don't know, but I'm assuming the staff knows about it. And maybe it's not you, only the you, staff. I feel it's everybody out there in my circles. I don't know wherever, like whenever I, me or my husband, like ask the loop or or the staff or, and I'm, I'm like, look at this child. He's brilliant. He can do much more. He's like really like taking it easy. Like why don't we push him a little more? And they're all like, just let him be. Don't be. You know, like just let him find himself. I don't feel like they're really pushing enough. Uh, look, I, I would say I would say that many times again, I don't know this uh, they, they, but many times you know people like for example, uh, we talk about a blind man and people screaming to him. I said, I have a very, very good earring I, I, I don't see. And many times yeah. when you see a kid that is seems like not capable, that's already the expectation and the, the, the workers a little bit take it off, you know, people just backing up. But this is your job here. Uh, as a parent, as a mother, to push forward and give the kids more and more. You don't expect from other uh, other people to do it for you. No, but you, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just going to give you an example. Like, I have a special needs child. So let's say anything that he does, but let's say toilet training. It took us six years. So many times I said, like, stop. Like, he, he's just not capable. And they're like, no, we're going to get him. To, we're going to get him. We're going to get him to the end. We're and with the regular kids, I feel it's exactly the opposite. Is it only me that feels that way? Okay. Or is it out let me, let like me try this. I don't know. Let's try something. When children are special needs children, there's very clear curriculums and saying we can raise the child to do better. And many times that's where people don't try pushing the special needs children because they don't believe they can. However... We are now getting to a middle. That means for many years we didn't push children at all to do good. Then we went to the opposite extreme. We pushed too much. And we saw the harbonus of pushing too much. We saw the harbonus of not pushing too much. Uh And now we're getting to a balance. So understand, when they're telling you to push your special needs child, how many professionals are involved telling you you can push? A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> that's right. Now, for your child that's healthy, how many professionals are involved daily or weekly? Not so many, but as many Zero. as are involved. A Rebbe that you speak to or a teacher that you speak to twice a year for a PTA? Right. right. That's the difficulty. That's why if we would be speaking to, our, to the Rebbe once a week, they'll tell you where to push, when not to push. Yeah. So that would be your job. Speak to the teachers once a week. How's my kid doing? Is there anything I could push a little more? Sometimes they'll tell you yes. Sometimes they'll tell you no. Is that normal? Is that the thing for a parent to do? Is that a, Notice a, how you're shifting things back to me. I want to shift it back to you. No, no, no. no what I'm do just, you I'm, want I'm, to do? Uh-huh. Is it your kid? Uh-huh. Speak to the teacher yeah, once sure. a week. Say, hi, can I just speak to you once a week and just see what you think is going on? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Makes sense. So when uh-huh. you're working with special needs children and you've got three, four therapists, an occupational therapist and a speech therapist and a teacher, 
and they're coming to your house. And there's so many other work, so there's so many other professionals involved, and you're speaking to them, and they're telling you, I think right. now at this step, right, they're coming to your house once or twice a week, or they're coming to school, and they're giving you homework that should be done at home, and you're speaking to right. them. So they tell you, this week you've got to push them to do this. And then sometimes right. they'll tell you, they did good. Now don't push them this week. So you're actually in touch with them. We're in constant contact, 100%. Uh-huh. That's right. But how how much contact are you with the teachers and rebellion of your other children? Not a lot. <laughs> That's honestly. right. So therefore, uh-huh. we're still dealing with the trauma of when people... It's it's a trauma when people when parents would push too much beyond the healthy limit, and then we saw then we had we dealt with a lot of pains that came across from that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So what's the uh uh-huh. so really what's the um how do you push a child more like if you can't push them too much because they're gonna get frustrated like what is the right way of pushing a a child? Like to Again, this is to... such a sub. It depends the age. It depends the case. Depends what's happening. The, there are so many. These are general questions. I can't answer general. I really can. Uh-huh. That's so uh-huh. difficult uh-huh. for me. There are therapists uh-huh. that can give general answers. Speak to uh-huh. your child. Discuss it with them. I can do that. But what I'm hearing uh-huh. is, and the reason why I don't want to give you the general answer is because I'm hearing that when you do speak to the teachers or to the rebellion, they're telling you stop pushing. So you're oh. not hearing what they're saying. You're hearing what you want to hear. No, it's just, I, I feel it's just the, um, like the, there's like a certain fear maybe of, of authority to push kids too much. Like they, they ask you to like step back a little. It, maybe it's just me that I feel like that, but I always feel like, so like, let me ask you a separate question. Do you find that you're always pushing people and people are telling you, like, lay back a little, slow down? Uh, I'm pushing myself. I don't know if I push other yeah, people. Yeah, then but... maybe what would happen if you would first learn how to not push yourself, first learn to accept yourself? So you're still focusing on pushing and pushing. What about the balance? We have six days of work. But what about the Yom Shvi, the Shabbos of Shabbos Vayinofash? Do you know how to not push yourself? Uh-huh. It's got to be balanced. Push yourself six days a week, but one day has got to be peace. Uh huh. Beautiful. You? All right. Uh huh. I got. I get it. Nice and clear. Now, what would happen if your question is now going to go different? I have a problem that I'm a pusher and I don't know how to let go. So, to my special needs child, where there's so much pushing, I feel great. But to some of my other kids that don't need pushing, I don't know how to let go. What have, how different is the question, the way I just phrased it, to the way you said it? Why is uh-huh. it that we're, not, that we're not telling us to push our, our other children just like we push special needs children? Do you hear the difference? Mm. Should I tell you the honest answer, what I feel? Yeah. That if I wouldn't push, just because things are so hectic, that if I would have pushed myself so much, I wouldn't get to anywhere. So... <laughs> We know that. And now how will you learn to maybe let go? No, it's in therapy when we address a concept like that, we go, is that really true? Will you only do something if you have that pressure? 
And to that, the answer is absolutely not. You will learn the healthy balance of how to do things, how to do things without always having a pressure. So Rav Nissen, just to review her question, her question was that when people have a special needs child, then there are so many therapists, they usually push them. means within the first three years, if they do the therapy intensively, or even the first six, seven years, they can move beyond a lot of the limitations that there are. So I have a, a good friend of mine that has a child that was born autistic. And the people, whoever did the evaluation, basically gave this child very limited how much they'll be able to do. And these parents said absolutely not. We're not accepting that. And they got as much therapy as they could, and they're working. And this person even went there to throw this special center for that, where they go like three weeks at a time, and they do seven, eight hours, or six or seven hours on this young child. And the wow. earlier you put in the work for a lot of these developmental disabilities or yeah. cognitive disabilities, you're able to make tremendous results that change like for life. And so what this woman is saying is, why is it that when you have therapists for these special needs children, the parents are told, push the child and go further. But yet when it's a child in school, a, a child that doesn't have any of these developmental delays, and she's asking the teachers or obeying, what can we do to push my child? They're saying, stop pushing, let go. You know, you go to the car mechanics when you have a problem in the, in the, in the engine. And when you drive regular and just put the oil, you don't say, you know, don't push, you don't yeah. go to mechanics unless you have a problem. And this is like uh, you got the PTA, just changing the oil, you know, the kids getting, and you don't have any anything else, you know, fortunately. Oh, Baruch. Baruch Hashem. Oh, no. Baruch, Baruch Hashem. Hashem. They're, they're Baruch very Hashem. successful and they're good kids. I just yes. feel like Baruch Hashem. As, as, they're, so, they're so smart and they're so, they can go much further than what they're, yes, you know. But that's what Mordecha said. You, you maybe, maybe sometimes the regular kids don't need so much pressure. Sometimes it's, we call it methodic calm down, you know, just leave, leave them the one day off. Let's go. And I think as, uh, as Mordecha noticed that uh, you also have yourself, is, you said, if you don't push, you don't get nothing. You know, you don't achieve. I I think but that uh, we have life is hectic and, we have know. we have the we have the Creator, and uh, we know that about Machshavot Belavish Ba'atzad Hashem Takum. You know, right, and right, have, right, hundred percent. So we hopefully we just definitely have to to give the kids some encouragement and to learn and. Uh, but uh, when you have something that uh, people around him, the kids that needed help. And definitely, it's, 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 it's getting. And I, more, 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 I know personally a family in Israel that had a problem with the kids that diagnosed as autism. And the mother quit her job and quit everything, just went from therapist to therapist, from, from physical to training to music. And right now, the kids, the, the girl is six years old and almost normal. It's amazing. Wow. 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 Yes. So, again, I know this family is a New York family, and they they really went, they, they're doing every therapy out there. They got approved by the state, which was very hard to get, and they did it. And they just wow. said, don't look at this child as if you did it. I was still looking that we can pull through. We're willing to give everything up, go to the therapist. And going to therapy isn't easy with children that need it. You're coming, you're going, you're picking up. 
sometimes two, three, sometimes twice a day, at least four times a week, and you've got other stuff going on in your life, and they're just yeah, focusing well, on it. All right. Thank you so much. Yes, you're welcome. I appreciate your awareness. Okay, thank you. Sure. And have a wonderful evening. Amen. Thank you, Mordechai. Yes. So we, we are um, I'm just reading over the last yes. message that you sent me. Being a teacher for 26 years, I can tell you that although I give out my home phone number, it would not be considered within normal boundaries to call the teacher once a week and check up on your child. Excellent. Here is a teacher that's willing for you to pick up the phone and just call. <laughs> okay. So, so they're saying it's not it will not it will not be considered within normal boundaries to call. I'm not sure this is like a double negative. It would not be considered within normal boundaries. So to call once a week might not be, but then maybe you'll make up the call once in two weeks or once in three weeks. The concept is that that you could reach out to your teacher, and the teachers feel that parents are involved, they will help you out. They will guide you. But sometimes the teacher feels a little bit uh, a pressure also if a parent's calling every day or every, every week. I would say that, uh, that they really balance about it and try to find the, the really in between the drops, as we said, uh, to look at uh, the, the really the, the, the major balance, what is, you know, the Hazav, the golden way to find it. Because uh, uh, I think that uh, as, a, as a teacher, I would say that I will get annoying if, uh, if a parent calls me every week. That's right. So again, there's a healthy balance to everything. The point is not just to be focused on pushing, and especially sometimes as we hear, we got to focus on letting go. Letting go, the balance. As we let go now, the show, right? <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Arvnison. Okay. And just before and we'll we uh, be in touch tomorrow with uh, that yes. first caller. Yes, and I just want to remind our our listeners that you know we have, as we know, we have problems with many many technical problems. So keep these numbers on the fridge: seven one two four three two four two one seven seven one two four three two four two one seven and seven one eight. Five zero six nine zero nine nine seven one eight five zero six nine zero nine nine, or just jerudradio.com or Jared Radio Pro in the apps, and we're trying to give you the best uh, of uh, quality of listening. Thank you very much. Thank you, Reb Mordechai, and all the best.